0: Your Locked on Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Alright, welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Locked on Longhorns podcast. This episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com and get all of your automotive needs. As always, follow me on Twitter at PatSportsGuy. You can follow my co-host, Cammie, who joins me now at CamiNg, Or follow the show, L-O underscore Longhorns. Cammie, on this podcast. Fine Wednesday, I feel like we're we're gonna get a little frustrated here in a minute when we start talking about <laughs> this topic. I know I got a little heated reading it, uh, but it is yeah. Wednesday. The uh, we got some news that we'll get into in a little bit with a wide receiver returning to the roster, uh, and we got some baseball news to talk about a little bit. Um, we'll dive into all of that, but first, can okay, let's get into this list here. Twenty four seven Sports released their top fifty college football players of all time.
1: Yeah, and uh, just for the listeners to kind of, I uh, guess, um, chime in on what happened, but Pat it's and I were thing. discussing. Yeah, we were discussing, or I guess I was reading it for the first time while Pat was on the line with me, and uh, I literally was like, "What? There's no way!" About where they had Vince Young, that was. I I don't even know what to say. All I can think about is whoever like came up with this top 50 uh, college football players of all time list is probably fairly young um, or has something against Vince Young. I'm not too sure, but I literally was like, did you like put an error in this article or something? Why is he so far down?
0: Uh, I think whoever wrote this was anti-quarterback to begin with. Uh, and then I think secondly, he had something against Vince Young. Because he had Vince Young listed as the, 44th overall college football player. And the first thing I thought was, wow, there must be some really great players ahead of him. Right. And as I went to scroll down, and and, and I'm not trying to discredit <laughs> what this guy is saying or anything, but first thing I noticed is Lamar Jackson is ahead of Vince Young. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson is a hell of a football player. He's not better than Vince Young at the college level. You want to make that argument right. in the pros? I'll have that argument all day long, and I'll probably agree with you. But
1: That's why I'm is, thinking it might be someone young because I think they're kind of on a know, recency bias type of thing. And so, obviously, Lamar Jackson is one of the top quarterbacks in the National Football League, and he was a solid collegiate player. But there's, I'm just still like completely baffled that Vince Young was number 44, regardless of who was ahead of him.
0: Uh, Baker Mayfield was ahead of Vince Young on this list.
1: <sighs> Lord,
0: Baker. Mayfield, like, yes, he had a great collegiate career. He was the number one overall draft pick a few years ago. Uh, But none of these guys that I looked at took over a game like Vince Young. And and I'm not just talking about the national championship game. You could go back the year before their national title run, the Oklahoma State game, down Mm -hmm. 35-7 to in the first half. Vince absolutely took over that game. So like yeah. when I and when I look at that and I'm like, you got Vince as the 44th overall? Are are you kidding me?
1: Yeah, and it's kind of funny because when they just actually showed reshowed that uh, national championship game of the Rose Bowl versus USC, a lot of the uh, national writers and former players and current players and professional players right now are all tweeting that. Um, Vince Young really was one of the greatest college football players of all time and so that was just what a couple months ago when that was going on and uh, you could still see at the time that he was just completely able to able to take over that game single-handedly so um, I know a lot of people if they were to I guess dive into this list would be very shocked at how low he was
0: yeah I, I had a I had a very difficult time you know even writing this um, if you go to Com. you can see it up there uh you know he had he had joe this guy had joe burrow ahead of vince young he had mark marcus Mariota ahead of vince young
1: oh yeah see i don't know about that but joe burrow is an interesting one because although it was just one year i mean it was a near perfect season so Uh, I could see why he's on the top 50 list. I don't exactly know where I I would put Burrow, but I could see him at least over some of the others. But let's flip over to the good news. Who else from the Longhorns was included? So the
0: thing that I found interesting about this list is when you look at the top eight, they were all running backs. Interesting. And uh, at number seven, you had Ricky Williams.
1: I think that's deserving, and I I don't think anyone would necessarily argue with that position. I guess, I I know he would be in the top ten, but um, I guess seven's fairly realistic for him in terms of what he was able to accomplish there. I mean, he was obviously one of the best players to come out of the University of Texas, so uh, that was solid. But anyways, Black. I don't I don't want to keep going back to Vince Young, but I I swore he would be in the top ten. But okay, keep going. Uh,
0: so yeah, you had you had him at number seven um Mm -mm. you're talking about a guy who uh was the last longhorn to win the heisman trophy
1: yeah
0: uh you could also to go back to your argument you could make an argument that ben young should have won the heisman uh but you talk about a guy who had you know over 6,200 yards rushing in college Mm -hmm. football set the all-time rushing record that lasted just only a year before ron dane came along and and beat his record. Uh, We talked about, you know, in 98, the Heisman, uh, Maxwell Trophy, Player of the Year honors from the Associated Press, from Sporting News, uh, and and the fact that the New Orleans Saints thought so highly of him that they traded away their entire draft in Mm -hmm.
1: 1998
0: to secure Ricky Williams. Uh, He came in on the list just behind number six, O.J. Simpson, and mm-hmm. then we have the next man on this list, number five, Earl Campbell, the Tyler yep.
1: Rose. Oh yeah, he deserves to be up there.
0: That's uh, actually yeah.
1: your top player out of Texas, correct? I mean, if I or, if I had or, to- I know you're talking about running backs as well, but I, I thought that's who you were kind of pretty high on in terms of the best overall player of Texas.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, Earl Campbell's definitely up there. Like I I have a toss up whenever I'm discussing um best running back ever to come out of texas Mm -hmm. i could make the argument for him over ricky williams yeah uh first ever heisman trophy winner at the university of texas Mm -hmm. he now has an award that's named after him or it's really his Mm -hmm. award it's the earl campbell uh tyler rose award which actually goes out to the uh
1: the best best pastor, right Uh, no
0: actually it's the it's the best college player that either played high school in texas Oh. Uh, or played in a Texas-based college, which, you know, kind of includes uh, like J.K. Dobbins won it last year. He's from Texas, but he played at Ohio State.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just remember Shane Shell being one of the finalists for that award this past season.
0: Yeah, while he was uh, at Texas, obviously he was the first-ever Longhorn to win the Heisman two-time All-American, won the Davy O'Brien Award, and has his number retired. Uh, also. Uh, makes some pretty good uh, uh, sausages. I don't know if you've <laughs> talked about them before, but they're fantastic, and I will continue to talk about them. But you know, that was the list. Um, you know, I, I was kind of surprised. Okay, I was a lot surprised that they didn't have um, Vince Hire, and and I, I wanted to go back to that real quick. And uh, this is just how insulting it was to me when you have Baker Mayfield as your number 21 overall. Oh my gosh, that that. It's just
1: where was uh, did they have Johnny Manziel on the list? I can't remember. If he I, I
0: don't remember seeing Manziel.
1: Okay, uh, he had that's the start,
0: he had one good season. So, yeah, I, it's hard for me to put a guy up there, but you could argue, you could argue that Joe Burrow only had one good season, mm-hmm. although it was probably like the best season the best, ever for a college quarterback, uh, undefeated and, and set pretty much every record you can think of for
1: number one pick single yeah. season. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, you know, and I'm not to say Joe Burrow is not deserving. I, I think the world of Joe Burrow, but uh, I just go back to to events being mm-hmm. worried about that. Uh, was there any Longhorns that you thought maybe might be on there and you were like,
1: oh my oh. God, I was just about to mention that. So I'm kind of, we have this debate all the time. Colt McCoy, I think is worthy of a debate because he was obviously one of the most winningest college football quarterbacks ever and uh was fairly consistent he was constantly up there in the national title uh contention so that's one that comes on the top of my mind that could maybe be included i'm not sure position wise uh kind of how this list was formed but uh wide receiver wise we probably could have had a couple uh roy williams or jordan shipley especially jordan shipley kind of did everything there but um i don't know those are just a few that come off the top of my head uh so, what about, so Derek, if you had a, what about Derek Johnson? Did great have,
0: linebacker. Yeah,
1: do they great. have any uh, mini defensive players on this list or not? Uh, really? they
0: had they had some defensive players. Obviously, they had players like Jim Thorpe uh, mm-hmm. was on there. He was in the top 10, which I was surprised. Um, but yeah, like you you look at some of those guys and it's like, uh, yeah, I, I think a Derek Johnson definitely deserving mm-hmm. um to be at least in, in contention for it and um I think you're right. Colt McCoy uh, was one of those guys. I kind of thought about Earl Thomas, uh-huh. uh huh, a little bit, especially for his final year that he played at Texas and how well he played. Uh, you know, so it was a little interesting. I wanted to dive into that a little bit, uh, but let's talk a little bit about our friends over at RockAuto.com. So our friend over Ross Jackson, mm-hmm. who runs the Locked On Saints. Uh, Recently I had a problem where somebody stole his tailgate. What are you going to do? You need to put a tailgate on there, right? He went to rockauto.com. Got all the things you need right there at your fingertips on the website. He was able to order his tailgate, the right model, the right color. He's got that back on there. It's looking brand new all over again. You got definitely got to check it out. Go to rockauto.com. Everything at your fingertips. You're not having to stand in line. You're not having to risk getting COVID-19 you know, with, are they wearing masks? Are they not? You know, you don't want to deal with that. Just go online. They got every make, every model, every edition, LX, EX, whatever you're needing, go to rockauto.com. I promise you will not be disappointed. Uh, but real quick, let's get into the college football hall of fame. So the national football foundation announced on Tuesday, their, 2021 hall of fame class and we have two Mm -hmm. texas longhorns on the ballot
1: we do and i was actually really impressed by this because obviously it's not easy to even be considered um on the ballot because you had to have been a first team or had to have received i guess first team all america honors at some point throughout your collegiate career so that's impressive in itself But Texas uh, had Kenneth Sims, a defensive tackle. He played at Texas from 1978 to 1981. And they also had Dan Neal, an offensive lineman who played at Texas from 1993 uh, to 1996. So those are the two uh, Longhorns considered for the 2021 College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, Sims uh, stated that uh, the reason he was kind of considered is he's a two-time first-team All-American. He was a consensus All-American in 1980 and unanimous All-American in 1981. Um, He received the 1981 Lombardi Award. He finished eighth in the 1981 Heisman Trophy voting, and he led the Longhorns to four uh, bowl berths. And he's a two-time first-team All-SWC performer who ranks fourth in school history with 29 career sacks. And for Daniel, the offensive lineman, he was also a two-time first-team All-American, consensus consensus honors as a senior. Um, He helped the Horn's offense rank 11th nationally in total offense with 451 yards per game and 12th in scoring offense with 34 points per game in 1996. So he was a two-time all-conference selection who set uh, the UT record for consecutive starts. So I think those are both deserving, and um, hopefully uh, they'll land on the um, – or I guess actually be selected uh, for the College Football Hall of Fame, and that's actually going to take place on December seventh, two 2021 in New York.
0: Yeah, it's going to be pretty exciting, and I'm and I'm really hoping that we hear something from, you know, either one of those, you know, whether it's Sims or or Neil, You know, I, I think those are definitely guys that I would I'm hoping that that you were gonna hear about as far as being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Jimmy, have you heard of footballscoop.com?
1: I've seen it um around on Twitter a bit, but I'm not too uh, familiar with it. Why?
0: Uh Zach Barnett, a college mm-hmm. football writer, is doing this series called 20 for 20 and he's writing about the 20 most important college Assistant hires this off season.
1: Okay, well, um, Texas, Texas, I guess has a great chance to be on there because they hired so many assistants this season. But
0: that is true. He had it. He had Chris Ash as the number six most important hire of the off season.
1: Ooh, that's interesting. I think um, I'm not sure whether that's in terms of his abilities as a coach, or if it's more so he's kind of going into one of the bigger roles and obviously a program that's um, very high profile in that sense but uh, yeah I think it's a mixture of everything because Texas's defense was just so 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 bad for uh, the past several seasons so um, I do think it's important I'm anxious to see kind of how he does in this, with this new defensive scheme here in Austin so uh, it's definitely significant.
0: Yeah it's definitely was significant you know when you when you look at Chris Ash and what he's being asked to do, uh, he's coming he's coming in and he's changing the defensive scheme. Uh, I'll just kind of go over kind of what what Zach Barnett said. He said you never want to draw too many conclusions off one game, particularly a game where the coach we're talking about didn't even coach. But let's look at the 2019 Alamo Bowl. As the clock literally wound down on the worst decade in the program's modern history, Texas put together one of its best defensive performances. The Horns limited Utah to 3.5 yards per rush, 5.5 yards per pass attempt, 5 sacks, racked up 20 and 21 yards and tackles for losses on rushing downs, won 10 of 14 third downs, permitted 15 first downs, and just generally kicked tail in a 38-10 win. After playing off the ball all season, rising junior Joseph Side generated first-round hype by moving to an edge position in the Horns' new 4-down front, earning... MVP honors with nine tackles, six for loss, and three sacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's important that, you know, like you said, you can't judge him off that game because he wasn't a part of it. But those are ty- the type of things that he's going to be bringing. Uh, Malcolm Roach, who we wrote about in the past, blasted the scheme that they were running under Todd Orlando. Like, it didn't magnify what they were going to be able to do, and it didn't do them any favors as they tried to go to the NFL you know, he even said, I think more guys will go to the NFL. Uh, but, you know, making that change of defense, adding in that, that kind of pass rush, uh, they've talked a little bit about, you know, Joseph Asai is going to be moving to that jack roll. A guy that I don't think a lot of people are, are really talking about, and I think they probably should, uh, Reese Littow, who converted from tight end. If you go back and look at what he did in high school, Uh,
1: sneaky that's a sneaky name you just threw in
0: there i mean defensive man i went back i went back and i started watching some of his old his old film from high school the guy's really good off the edge he's a good Mm -hmm. defensive end so i think he's a guy you kind of got to think about you know so having these guys you know being more physical linebacker what did they do they moved to Marvin and up right right what what are they going to do you know they have Caden stearns back there uh they have the cornerbacks to Jamison, they want to be more physical. They want to play, you know, better coverage. The linebackers, they got to be able to get out in the open field, get after the quarterback with the pass rush. You got uh, Taquan Graham, Keandre Coburn up front. You know, they got some names and some guys that, that can really get after the quarterback. Uh, but I think it's important that they do it with a a defensive minded coach in Chris Ash, who's not only has he worked with Tom Herman. But, I mean, he played – he coached at Ohio State. Yeah. They're known for defense. They do uh-huh. well in their defense. And you talk about some of the guys that Chris Ashley's coached. He's coached the uh, the older Bosa brother. He's coached J.J. Watt. You know, so these are guys, these are guys that kind of give you some excitement. But I, but I agree with Barnett. I think he most definitely is one of the top coaches uh, hired this offseason.
1: Yeah, I think he kind of tops being in terms of importance, Mike Yersich, for me, because I think we all know how talented Texas' offense is, and Herman's kind of an offensive-minded coach to begin with. So I think they'd be successful on that side of the ball, uh, kind of regardless who's offensive coordinator. I think they can be better under Yersich, but I think they're still solid regardless. And for Chris Ash, he just has to come in and completely uh, retool this defense, and he's working with a lot of talented physical players. So um, I think this new defensive scheme, like I mentioned, uh, will work out well in terms of the players and unleashing their potentials and things like that. So I'm excited to see how it plays out.
0: Oh, absolutely. And speaking of your in the offense, like you said, we know what's coming. Uh, but they might be getting some help. Wide receiver Kennedy Lewis has come off suspension. He's returning to the program for summer workouts. How much of a boost do you think that is for that wide receiver group that we kind of have a lot of questions about?
1: Yeah, I think it's a significant boost because since they're so, I guess, inexperienced and so young at wide receiver uh, coming into the season, outside of Brendan Eagles and Jake Smith, which aren't very experienced. Um, either, but they're the most experienced. And then you have, obviously, Michigan grad transfer, Tariq Black, coming in. Um, Obviously, he's had quite a bit of injuries in the past to deal with. So um, there's a ton of talent available, but I think this is significant in terms of competing for playing time at the Z position because um, also someone who returned from his suspension not long ago, Joshua Moore, uh, he'll be competing there. Um, Marcus Washington will be competing for that spot, Alvante Woodard. And obviously now Kennedy Lewis, but Kennedy Lewis is interesting because um, he's a speedy redshirt freshman. Um, He only played in, I believe, two games. Uh, prior to his suspension but um, he was a three-star recruit coming out they obviously think highly of him so he'll be there actually uh, this week if not already I know he's kind of going through the um, onboarding process but he can't actually participate in the workouts until June 22nd but he really didn't miss much in terms of his suspended spring semester because of COVID-19 as much as he could have he could have been behind what like a dozen or more uh, practices under uh, kind of a new pro-style offense. But he's 6'3", uh, 200 pounds, and he ran a 10.53 uh, time in the 100 meters in high school. So um, I don't think you, with such an inexperienced group, I don't think you could have uh, too many options.
0: Yeah, he, he ran that, uh, obviously, at Melissa High School, which is just north of McKinney. Uh, I've actually seen this guy play in high school. Uh, he definitely is a guy, like you were talking about, the speed factor is there. Um yeah, did he miss a whole lot? Not really. I mean, I think he missed more of the install of the offense, uh, right. some of those Zoom meetings that they were doing. But, yeah, as far as actually playing time on the field, practice time, you know, he's coming in at the right time. I think it's it's a good thing to have him back. And, you know, just another – it's another guy that they can put in there. And, like you said, you can compete. Compete for the position. You got Tariq Black. You got Eagles. You got uh, Jake Smith, Jordan Whittington. You know, you have all these guys that are kind of being comp- – going to be competing and you know like we talked on the previous episode you know get as many playmakers on the field and if kennedy lewis is one of those four guys that you want to stick out there with your running back and quarterback then i definitely think that he's going to be in line and, and very much could be getting on the field uh but coming up next we're going to get into the espn top 300 plus updated 24 7 rankings and a uh, particular name returning uh, out there for our guys over there at Occupy Left Field, I'm sure they're excited about this one. Uh, but first, let me tell you about our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar's changed the game when it comes to the energy bar. But you got to check them out. Go to builtbar.com. Right now, they're doing they got a sale. Right now, fifteen percent off one box, thirty percent off two, or buy four boxes get fifty percent off. So basically, it's like I'm gonna get four for the price of two. You can't beat that. And the great thing is, one hundred percent of the proceeds are going to organizations that are help fight racism, you know, promote equality. I think it's a great thing what they're doing. So go check them out. Check out their different flavors. You're talking about a hundred calories. Seven times less sometimes less carbs. Go to buildbar.com and uh, save some money and get healthy while you're doing it. All right, Kami, so we talked in the last episode about these two new players, right? Mm-hmm uh, we're we're talking about Ishmael Ibrahim, and we're talking about J.D. Coffey. They're really going to help that defense. You know J.Voli has got to be excited, right? You saw the video? Awesome. <laughs> the video was awesome. The video was great. And, um, and I
1: loved how all the players kind of hyped him up also. They, a lot of players actually, especially in the secondary, I know Josh Thompson and then uh, Jaron too, kind of uh, hyped him up with it and saying they loved it and things like that. So I thought that was really cool.
0: Uh, yeah, so you know he's excited. But, you know, so – ESPN 300, you know, they're kind of like 247. They're like rivals.
1: They're the
0: other other component in the composite. Uh, So they're saying that Texas now has nine out of their top 300.
1: Yes, and that's kind of crazy to me because other than Ohio State, who kind of has run away with this recruiting class, um, with 16 ESPN 300 commits already out of the 2021 class. But other than that, Texas is right in the mix within the top five. I mean, Clemson has 12, uh, UNC has 11, and then you have the Longhorns at nine. So um, they're right there signing uh, obviously a lot of blue chip recruits. But, yeah, they have nine and their highest rated is obviously Jatavian Sanders. Um, he came in at number 49. But, I mean, they have Billy Bowman Jr. on there. They have Jalen Milrow. They have uh, Ibrahim that you mentioned, Derek Harris Jr., a linebacker. They have J.D. Coffey, Jordan Thomas, the defensive end, Hayden Connor, offensive guard, and Maurice Blackwell, another linebacker at 295. So um, You know what's crazy about your list? What?
0: Every single one of them players. Where do they play high school?
1: Yeah, isn't that crazy? They're all. From literally oh, the state of Texas.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that is right. It it is nuts. And you know, it was talking about the 24-7 rankings, right? Uh Texas is jumping up.
1: Yeah. I didn't they jumped up eight spots. Well, according to the 24-7 rankings, I know ESPN has them a little lower, but um, I typically follow uh 24-7 sports uh side or 24-7 sports in general. I think ESPN usually has um, the ratings a little bit lower. I think they're more on the safe side. But, yeah, according to the 24-7, they jumped up eight spots, which is uh, pretty significant.
0: So you're more 24-7 rankings. Why don't you use the Texas Ags board? They, you know, they, they claim to have it better. <laughs> Then 247, you know. Yeah, so. no, thank you. Uh okay, yeah, me either. I wouldn't check it out anyway. Uh yeah, but the composite showed, you know, that's a significant jump. You talk you're talking about adding two four star players, two guys that were top fifty in their position. Well, really, you're talking about uh JD Coffee was number I think he's seventh, and then Ibrahim was thirteenth at their position in the country. So you gotta be really excited about having adding those two guys, and obviously that's gonna help boost you up. Now they're in the top ten. Um, and, you know, it looks like Tom Herman's just gaining momentum to have another top 10 recruiting class once again.
1: I know. And I hope he can kind of put it all together and um, have some consistency in player development and things like that. But, um, yeah, the, I, I can't stress enough how important the Coffey and Ibrahim sign are signings. Hopefully they will be signees, but uh, commitments were the, that just boosted them significantly. And um, I think they'll both kind of get playing time early on once they get on campus.
0: Yeah, I, I think they will as well. Okay, so let's talk a little baseball real quick. You know, we talked about Austin Todd's coming back.
1: Mm-hmm. Um uh, I was excited I, about.
0: You were definitely excited, about. how about the big cat? Zach you were, Zubia.
1: You were just asking about him too.
0: And he uh, Yep. And he said one more time. He goes, fifth year. Let's go. Uh so the first baseman, Zach Zubia, big bat in the lineup, usually bat now the three-hole. Uh he will be back on campus playing baseball for one more year. And I think, you know, with the baseball draft only going five rounds, that actually benefited Texas to keep some of these right.
1: guys. And I think that was smart for Zubia regardless. I think uh, he's kind of their main guy or was going to be until the season was cut short. So, um, He should have a big season, obviously, his fifth year on campus. But we're still waiting to hear from Duke Ellis. I'm pretty sure I would be very shocked if he doesn't return. So that's another big outfielder. Uh, That means you're returning your, I guess, Austin Todd played right field. Uh, Yeah, right field and center field. So they're definitely returning some experience. And now we just kind of need to wait and hear from Bryce Elder, which could be interesting. He could go either way.
0: Here's why I think Bryce Elder returns. Why? Why? Because it doesn't look like Major League Baseball is going to be playing baseball this
1: Ah, year. true. Uh, and
0: even you know, if
1: it is, it's just going to be playing weird. Um, yeah, it's so. short
0: in season. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. And, you know, kind of like with all the releasing they've done with the minor leaguers. Uh-huh. Um, and then, obviously, Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, came out, you know, just a week ago. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm very confident. We're going to have baseball. Uh, and then on was it Monday or Tuesday? I believe he came out and said, You know, I'm not 100% certain we're going to have baseball. And it's like, Well, my, my, yeah. my.
1: And then I, if you look at all the minor league cuts that have been going on, we even talked about Casey Clement and things like that. So I, yeah, if I had a choice, unless I was probably drafted within the first two rounds, I'd probably return.
0: Man, Cammy, you just cut me off right in the middle of an office like reference.
1: What, what was
0: it? I was going to say, My, 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 how the turntables. Oh, I was gosh. like, man, I don't even get to get that one in. I, don't, mess up the office
1: I, I wouldn't have caught it anyways, but I'm sure others might have.
0: Oh, you don't watch The Office?
1: No, I don't. I don't watch much yeah. TV. Oh, you
0: you got to binge it. It's hilarious. I, right. I, I guarantee you love it. Just watch a little bit of it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not like you have sports on right now, so I know, why not? why not watch a little bit of The Office? Yeah, but that's going to do it for this edition. Of the Lockdown Longhorns podcast. Make sure you tune in to my guys over at the Lockdown NFL Draft. They're still going over all the stuff from last season, talking about the different guys, where they went, great spots. Are they in a good spot? Are they in a bad spot? Who made the best draft pick? You know, they're going to say all kinds of good stuff about my Dallas Cowboys who had the best draft of any team. Uh, and that's my unbiased opinion. So for Tammy, I'm Patrick. We'll see you on
1: Friday. Hook them.